0: three, two, one. Hey everybody, welcome back to 321 Overtime. I am one of your two co-hosts, John Torres, along with my buddy
1: Hey, John. Brian McCallum here.
0: Brian McCallum. He remembers his name again. He's a good kid. I tell you what, this guy. We're we're in. That's why Shane I got McCallum. a tattoo to my wrist. <laughs> we're at Shane McCallum this week, of recording as we wait for the new Florida Today building and podcast studio to be built. Uh, well, it's actually already built, but they're just getting it prepped for us, I guess. Brian and I came here obviously for the cake because there's usually some baked goods here waiting for me. It's
1: chocolate on chocolate today. So
0: if you you all you know you gotta like chocolate for that. Yeah, but uh, speaking of chocolate on chocolate, and that's the worst segue in the world because I have nothing chocolaty about this. But the NFL after six weeks, Brian, is this the time that we talk about what teams are 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 real and what teams are pretenders?
1: Yeah, you know it's funny. I guess it was two weeks ago. Every every media outlet seemed to have a feature. Which of these two and two teams is for real? I don't know who who sent down the word that everybody should do a story on that.
0: Really mediocre, really yeah. average. Really, anyway.
1: What? Uh, You know, Dallas shortly ago was 3-0, and I was terrified of them, and they can still right the ship. They've got the Eagles at home this coming Sunday night. But, uh, you know, I think Green Bay looks really good. But the 49ers, I just think, are tremendous. And as long as uh, Jimmy Garofalo doesn't get hurt again, they might be a team to be reckoned with. John, I just want to make sure the Patriots don't want another one or the Cowboys. Well, the Patriots, you know, will have
0: the first round by because they play the easiest schedule that I've right. ever seen.
1: Do you think the Bills are for real or what?
0: Uh, no, but I do think they are better. I think they are Definitely. they are on the upswing. They've
1: made some good moves yeah, in the last year a, or so. A
0: lot of draft picks, and so these guys are, are, like, are actually paying off. But the Cowboys, Brian, lost to the Jets this weekend in a very unexpected... Um, Upset, obviously, but you know, I think they were three and zero, and people were hailing them as the Super Bowl uh, team. I was, you know, but their wins were against Miami, Washington, the Giants. Now they've had to play some halfway decent teams, not including the Jets, and I think they are starting to come back to earth. Obviously, so we we are both happy about that.
1: I still think that defense keeps them in anything, any conversation,
0: and any game. Well, and speaking of. Defense. You had mentioned San Francisco. That is my team right now in the NFC. I'm I'm watching them closely. The reason being is that their defense is stout. It is legit, and they still have not tapped into the strength of the team, which I think is Kyle Shanahan's offensive mind. I mean, he was a great offensive coordinator. He's a schemer. He knows how to how to put points on the board, and if they can ever get that going with that offense with their quarterback. And they have a like five-headed running back, you know. There, um, I think they can be really scary.
1: Well, I hope so. Uh, although they have five Super Bowls too, so I don't really want them to win one. Oh, that's right. You are driven
0: by this whole thing because right. the Steelers
1: have won six Super Bowls. Um, yes.
0: Super Bowls. Easy for me to say. And you don't want any other team to ever get that.
1: Well, the Patriots have six now. Well, now I'm terrified they get seven before the Steelers do. Wow! And they very well could. I mean, you look at the look at the factors the real the real factors, not not the mythical ones. Yeah, they've got the deal with Satan. <laughs> they have Satan himself as head coach. Uh, they have Satan's number one minion at quarterback. <laughs> These are the facts that worry me. No, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a coach. Uh, I don't know if you know this, John. Um, A lot of talk of this in Hollywood. The last four years, I have been a guest, I guess you call celebrity judge for the Astronaut High Homecoming Parade. Oh, nice. Which was Thursday night. And uh, I I enjoy going because, uh, you know, it gives me, I get a little video of the parade we put up. And it's just fun. And it's a friend. It's a favor for Cheryl Shovel, who's a friend of mine, I guess, as an athletic director, as much as uh, as much as I can have friends out of sources, but um, it's enjoyable. And Greg Hostetler, who was the girls' basketball coach there for many, many decades, and has three state championships, is one of the other judges. And we just talked about coaching. I want to have him on the show because he fits a lot of my criteria for those deep conversations yeah. about winning. And and I asked him, you know, about I asked him, did he remember? uh you know those. It was kind of fortuitous because I asked about those surprise wins that weren't supposed to happen, not even knowing that the Jets were going to pull off just a lovely Sunday afternoon. So anyway, uh, we had two rain delays, and Coach Hostetler and I started talking about the Patriots, and I'm just I, I'm just convinced and that they're the only team that really is still coaching and practicing and living like it was the '80s or '90s where they don't care about the social media first. They don't care about the money first. They just care about winning. And somehow they've managed to bring together all the guys that can fit that system. Yes. They're not necessarily the best players. We've talked about that before. And, and you know, Belichick was awful in Cleveland. We talked about that before. Although, obviously, the system in, in New England in terms of administration is better for him. Um, I just think he his masterful job is getting those guys to just care about winning and to practice like it and play like it. And aside from the fact that I'm very convinced they're stealing signals and all that stuff and game plans. Uh,
0: and football deflating.
1: They it probably is just spending so much time in the film that they know what's about because they played the Steelers in the first game and it was like they were standing there waiting for the back or the receiver on every play. Yeah, It's hard to believe they aren't stealing something. But maybe they're just that good at well, you know, uh, game Brian,
0: It's and it's fundamental football. If you stick to your fundamentals, John Riggins always says on his podcast that if each guy just takes care of his job, right. then the team will be successful. And he said that, you know, he was talking about the 0-5 Redskins, that they have to go to Miami. And he said he was on 0-5 teams. In fact, Joe Gibbs's first year in Washington was 0-5, and the team ended up 8-8. and and went and won the Super Bowl the following season. So you can turn things around if each guy just begins to take care of himself. And I was kind of surprised this week and when I, when I read that the interim coach for the Redskins, Bill Callahan, instituted some changes that I couldn't believe were happening in Washington. He said, no music while practice is going on. Well, how can you practice when there's music on? Wow. I mean, you know, you have to hear the coaches, you have to be intense, you aren't grooving to the sounds. And the second thing was that all the Washington writers, they were in shock. He made them run sprints after practice. Well, duh. I mean, I yeah. I bet that the Patriots run sprints after practice. John, <laughs> you know?
1: how do you dance if there's no music during practice? <laughs> I know. Well, you know, there's a story. Uh, Steelers fans have heard a million times about Chuck Noll And somebody with the organization, uh, somebody who was just, I don't know if it was somebody cleaning up the visiting locker room, came and brought the Oilers playbook. This was back in the 70s or 80s. And he brought it into the locker room and showed the the Steelers, the team the team members, and said, here's the Oilers playbook. And then he dropped it in the trash can. And he said, if we do what we do, and we do it well, nothing else matters. And he was making a point, obviously. And, and that was the way he coached. Now, I'm hoping that after all the players left, he went and got that playbook and got ready for the next game. But who knows? But... As I was watching the Chiefs fall to Houston yesterday, I'm thinking, you know, the Chiefs are really good. They have no, they don't have a great defense, but they can outscore the Patriots. Right. And then I'm thinking, man, the uh, I'll call them the Astros because I don't even want to keep... You know, since the Olders left, I'm so yeah, sick of trying to keep up with all these teams. Uh, they look good, and they've got, a, you know, supposedly this great defense and this great young quarterback. And I'm thinking, how are the Patriots favored? Because they're clearly not player to player the best team and yet you just feel like they're gonna they're gonna win it again you know who's gonna stop them
0: the old um nfl films had that uh opening uh you know like back in the 70s when they had the highlights on once a week and you know it was a head coach it might have been vince lombardi it might have been george allen say 52 men working together cannot lose
1: well i thought it was going to be the colts now Luck's gone. Although, you know, there was the story that he was in the team facilities the other day. But Brissette's doing a good job. He is doing a pretty good job, yeah. I don't, I, st- I even though I've seen the 49ers, and I think they're really good, I just don't get the feeling. There was a question on the Steelers forum the other day that I followed. When was the last time the Steelers were feared? And I wanted to type January of 1980, but I didn't <laughs> I did. because a lot of these younger people wouldn't wouldn't understand that. But you don't really fear anybody but the Patriots right now. The The team I might see on the horizon is the Packers apparently are getting a pretty good defense put together. Mm. And when you have Aaron Rodgers back there, who I still think is the best quarterback in the league, you know, if they can keep Adams healthy, it's a delicate balance because you want Adams to be healthy to beat teams like the Cowboys and Patriots. But I want him to be injured for your fantasy football troubles.
0: Right but I didn't so, really need him this week cuz I started Terry McLaurin who
1: had 100 two touchdowns. yards or something. He? He had 100 yards and two touchdowns. He has five touchdowns on the year. Anyway, it, it's early, but it, man, it just it's frightening. They they don't look like a great football team. Brady was like 18 of 39 2 weeks ago. Yep. but you just feel like is there anybody they're going they hadn't had to play anybody. Yeah, the Steelers I weren't know. any
0: good. That's true. Well, you know, other other pretenders Brian, I'm not quite sold on the Bears yet either. The um the quarterback for the Bears is not really doing it for me, uh, and the Vikings. Speaking of quarterbacks, you know Kirk Cousins. Now he's like throwing the ball again. He's making his wide receivers happy. They seem to have all the weapons, but that team just seems to be lacking something. I, I can't quite put my yeah, finger on it. there's
1: something missing from everybody. I'm a t- uh, here's a controversial statement for you, John. They're two and four, but man, if that Steelers defense, you know, also in that forum, I found a uh, stat on. The Steelers' defense before and after Minka offense patrick and it was stunning. The yardage, the overall yardage they've given up, total offense, the passing yardage they've given up, the turnovers and points-off turnovers, just 180-degree turnarounds. And I know he's not the best player in the NFL, but he he really filled a spot back there as a safety. Right that has totally changed that defense if they can stay healthy. Well, you know, hope springs eternal, Brian,
0: and hope springs eternal. You are 2 and 4, right? Your Steelers are 2 and 4 and there's hope. I was reading an article. The Redskins at 1 and 5 are 2 games out of, you know, first place because the Cowboys and Eagles are 3 and 3, the Giants are 2 and 4 and the Redskins are 1 and 5, so.
1: Yeah, how about the Eagles going from really dominant Super Bowl champs to just nothing? I love it. Because I hate the Eagles. And this, you know, I remember watching how many Super Bowls ago it was and thinking, this Seahawks defense, that's going to be like a steel curtain dynasty. Right. Nothing stays together anymore. No. Except the Patriots. Well, and, and they do it with changing faces. When, when Aaron Rodgers, you
0: know, when he went to the Super Bowl, right, everyone thought that was going to be, you know, um, right. right. a yearly event. And yeah. it's, okay. it's hard to win, like you've said in the past. It's just hard to win, Brian.
1: It is hard to win, Sean.
0: Okay, Brian, for as long as I have been watching or hearing about college sports, there's always been the age-old question, should athletes get paid? The new law in California, walk me through this. I'm not exactly sure what this is. It sounds like if you go to you know college in California and play sports, you can make a lot of money on the side. Is that really true?
1: That's the theory, and that's what California lawmakers think. And, I, and it may be just a political move to get this discussion started. Some people think that. But basically, they're saying that players can profit. You can't keep a player from profiting off his image. The theory is that the NCAA and colleges are making millions of dollars off of players. Well, kind of. Those are the revenues. But the fact is that, let's say, uh, UCF. UCF may make several million dollars a year on football revenue. What people don't think about is that they're spending many millions of dollars on scholarships for girls golf, and wrestling, and boys tennis, and, mm-hmm. and travel for all those sports that have to go all over the all all all, American Athletic Conference. And all the salaries for all the coaches all and the and salaries, like support staff. And there's and all a lot that. more. Coaches are a minority of the a number of employees in an athletic department. They make a lot of money, but you know, there's the people that tutor. There's the people that do publicity. There's the people that keep stats. I mean.
0: The SIDs.
1: Yeah, that's what I used to do. Right. And in fact, a part of my job uh, years ago when I worked in this industry, I was at Louisiana Tech and Baylor and Lamar University. We would get, I'd get a call from Sears or JCPenney's or Best Buy or Circuit City saying, hey, we have an ad for TVs. We need a, a photo of, of game action to put in that TV in the newspaper advertisement so it looks like the TV's turned on to a football game and people will buy it. So I had to go find a slide from our thousands of slides of game action and make sure that no player's face was showing, no jersey name was showing, you know, like Johnson or whatever, so that they weren't, we weren't profiting off of that player's image. Interesting. So, so UF really then was,
0: was, was not sending photos of like Tim Tebow right, scoring no, touchdowns, no. you know, like back in the day.
1: In fact, I always remember I got in trouble once because a sports writer wanted to write a story about Joe Blow, our, our strong safety. And I knew that he was out that Friday, that Saturday, this was college, because he had appeared in a, a fundraising calendar for some sorority or something on campus in a suit and tie, but because he was, rep, he was using him his image to, you know, in an advertisement, he was suspended for a week. NCAA didn't allow any of that. So I told the sports writer, hey, you don't, you don't want to write about this kid because he's not going to be playing. Well, his dad was a big donor. And didn't want the newspaper knowing, even though they were going to know in 24 hours. He yeah, wasn't right. for that reason. Yeah. Um, but anyway, schools can't profit off of that stuff. And I hear arguments that you know Alabama has a billboard somewhere with Tua's picture on it saying buy buy season tickets. I'm not sure if they're allowed. Maybe they are allowed to do that now. Maybe the NCA has liberalized. But that doesn't make millions of dollars for Al- people are going to buy Alabama season tickets whether his picture's up there or Joe Blow's picture's up there. John, you're a pro guy. You're from Big City. Yep. Pro guys and college guys are different. In New York City, people are typically pro Yes, absolutely, followers. right. I'm a college follower first, and then pro. Can you name a college football player right now? No. Any? Any. No. Not really. Yet you can name a lot of college football teams. Yes. And I'm, my argument is people follow college sports for the school. I went to school there. It's my alumna. That's my... Uh, You know, where I went to school, I'm an alumnus, or I've always followed. uh, We have a friend in our fantasy football league who follows the Miami Hurricanes. He went to Florida Tech. Right. But he's always followed the the Miami Hurricanes. He feels like, you know, you heard about the Notre Dame Dame Subway alumni. These are people that are, they don't care what the name on the jersey is. They want the great players because they want their team to win, not because they care
0: what Joe Blow does in college. It's the laundry that they love. Right. It's the uniform.
1: So... Maybe this, you know, if this were to be the case in Alabama's, you know, Alabama's already getting all the great players, but let's say Alabama or Syracuse or Rutgers, some city, some school close to New York City started getting all the best players. Maybe New York would become more of a college town. I don't know. That could be an offshoot of this. Well, you know. When
0: when I was growing up, Ryan, when I was a like teenager, Saint John's, you know, basketball was big. Right. And Chris Mullen um, and the Big East basketball conference uh, with like Syracuse, Dwayne the Pearl Washington, you know, players like that. That was big, you know, for a while. But then it seemed to go away. But and, if
1: Chris Mullin had been playing for Iowa, and James the Pearl Washington had been playing for Iowa State, would you have known them? No, absolutely not. You knew them because they were at a college that you followed or that you had access to the news about them. So I think there are too many negatives. And here's one, John. The theory is here that Joe Blow owns a furniture store and he wants to hire a college athlete to come promote the furniture store. Well, it can't happen now because college athlete can't profit off of that. Well, let's say he could. Let's say now you're Joe Blow and you play safety at City Tech, and co- or let's say you play receiver at City Tech, and you, you have eighty catches for a thousand yards, but coach needs you to play safety. Are you going to switch positions to safety mm. when the receiver and the quarterback are getting all the advertising? Right, yeah, that's a negative to me. Um, are you going to go? Let's say you can't get a you can't get a scholarship to Big City Tech but you can get a full scholarship to the school just out of town. Yet you choose to walk on at Big City Tech, thus depriving the school out of town of some player that could be really help their program. Uh, to me, it, it just will take the NCAA the way of the FHSA. You know, the FHSAA. people say, well, there's cheating in the NCAA already. Sure there is. Why legislate it? Why allow it? You know, why encourage it? Right. The FHSA has always had kids transferring all over the place. Well, a few years ago, they made it all right. They said, we're not going to enforce it anymore. We're going to leave it up to individual school boards or individual private schools to, pop, to monitor that stuff. Now it's out of control. Uh, I just think that you're opening a can of worms. Yeah, you're, and, you're gonna... and,
0: and you know, Brian, look, from my perspective, college education is very expensive. I mean, we're talking about a $100,000 right. for the four years, you know, possibly at some of these big schools. Um, you're getting a free education. You're getting right. great training. You're getting exposure in some cases, not all, because you, as you mentioned, they have, like, you know, all the teams. These are the wrestling teams or the tennis teams and so forth. But some of the NFL teams and the baseball teams, you have a chance to go pro and make money that way as well. Um, I don't know. I think to be a student-athlete, is you know student athlete otherwise these colleges should just
1: hire players well the same guy we just mentioned that's a miami hurricanes fan he has a hundred thousand dollars in student debt school is expensive getting a free college education is a huge deal and if you can't appreciate that then maybe you're not smart enough to cash in on the money anyway if you were able to go out here now here's what i think will happen and i read a lot of people saying this if this were to come true and apparently the snowball is rolling downhill this is when college athletes are going to find out exactly what i'm saying that they're not as individually popular as they think they are there's either two possibilities either the the really bad happens and all the players start going to usc and ucla because they have big boosters who own car lots and furniture stores and they say well I like this Johnny Smith who plays for such and such high school. Let's tell him if he comes to my alma mater, he can do a big car lot commercial for me and he'll make $100,000 a year. That is one possibility. The players get rich and they all go to the yeah. best schools. The other possibility is that the players find out they're not going to get $100,000 for these commercials. They might get a few hundred dollars for the commercials. And they will realize that the team can only play one quarterback at a time. Right.
0: So if you have like three great quarterbacks that all go to to a school in California, that,
1: you know. And one thing you said is very important, John. In almost every sport, you can go on and become a professional athlete if you want to. You don't have to go to college. Now, the the NFL is one exception. The NFL says you have to wait a certain amount of time. So my solution is the NFL needs to do one of two things. Either say, once you're 18, you can come play in the league if you're good enough and we draft you. Or the NFL needs to set up its own minor league. And if that happens, they've got somewhere to go play where they can go make money. You can keep the amateur status of college sports. I don't expect this to happen, by the way, for the yeah. reason I'm about to say. How famous are minor league baseball players? Not very. What money do they make? They get their signing <laughs> Peanuts, bonus and then right. they go ride on a school bus for right. however many years. Because people don't care about that level. They care about the top level. They care about the Yankees and the Giants right, and the Mets. And they don't care about the minor league teams for those. And it's the same thing, the same reason they don't care about the name on the back of the jersey for these college programs. They care about the school. So when you stop going to that famous college and start playing for some minor league team in Albuquerque, you're going to find out what your worth was. Right. You
0: know, as far as the NFL and minor league teams, that's a great point, Brian. I think the NFL kind of tried this by having the European Football League right. a few years ago because those were sort of developmental players that I believe were under contract or sort of like practice squad deals with the NFL players or, you know, something like that. If you can create a following in Frankfurt for the Frankfurt Frankfurters or in
1: Edinburgh for, you know, whoever.
0: Well, John, you they know. must
1: have had, you know, we've, I think we've discussed this not on this show, just ourselves, that AAF that had the team in Orlando that... yep. They were letting that on the NFL network. I believe they had to have some interest in that. Mm. And yet that failed, even with right, what, even however little the support from the NFL was. There's just not the support for it. Right. And, uh, you know, the law, the law, NCA is a voluntary association. It can have its own rules. That even if this law passes, the NCAA can say, okay, your college can do whatever you want, but our association just has amateurs in it. So you're not eligible for our association. Or we're going to put you on probation if you let kids – or that player is going to be ineligible. So there's going to be a showdown here, and the key will be whether the NCAA gives on this or if it it finds some middle ground or if it puts up a staunch wall and says, no, we're not going there. But the precedent is that Title IX, you know, when Title IX passed and schools had to start spending money more equally on women's and men's sports – you started to see some sports get dropped because there's not as big a piece of pie, there's not as big a pie as you think there is. And you know, you don't have many more colleges anymore that have wrestling, for example. A lot of them drop men's tennis and things like that. So Title IX, I think, is a good thing. Women are involved more equally than they used to be. But the reality was that you saw that the pie was not as big as people thought it was. And I think, although I'm the biggest free enterprise guy you know, Allowing these guys to get involved in advertising is going to reveal to you that the pie is not as big as they think it is.
0: All right, prediction time before we wrap this up, is this going to end up
1: in the courts? Uh, I mean, everything does, but I think the NCA will blink somehow. I think they'll come up with something, some middle ground. I don't think the NCA will disappear. Although this is one of the, and that's why they'll blink, because this is one of those points in time where the possibility of the happening is real if they don't come up with something. All right, well, we will have to keep an eye on this one, Brian. This is one to follow for a while, because Florida and some other states are considering laws, too.
0: So, Brian, a few weeks ago, we talked about the power rankings uh, in preps football. And I know that strength of schedule is so important, but is it is it fair to have a team that is you know playing five hundred or is like four and three up higher than a team that maybe has played an easier schedule but is undefeated?
1: Yeah, you know maybe the FHSA still has some tinkering to do with its formula, which is sad. You'd think you'd have a formula that you've tested, but anyway, the first ones came out last Tuesday. Though when this airs, they will come out have come out yesterday, and. Four and three, Holy Trinity, was number two in its region. They've played such a tremendous schedule. Had not won at home until this Friday when they played another strong team, but their their opponent's winning percentage was so high, and their opponent's opponent's winning percentage. There's three factors. Your winning percentage, your opponent's winning percentage, and your opponent's opponent's winning percentage. Say that three times faster. <laughs> Easy for so, to say, yeah. it, you know, Space Coast was fifth in its region, which is at this point a playoff team, um, Bayside was 10th with four spots above Heritage in its 6A region, and Bayside was 2-4. and four. So they had played a good schedule, um, and yet Her- now it'll change because Heritage just beat them Friday 13-7. to 7. Um, But these coaches that have gone out and put together these tough schedules, you know, it's always been a thing because coaches want to make their teams better and you do that by playing better teams sure but now it's paying off as as Nate Hooks of Holy Trinity said it's a win-win you know because it's also helping you in the standings that will determine who gets to the playoffs so let me ask you though I mean isn't it I mean you can schedule a really tough schedule and
0: lose all those tough games and you still get credit for it
1: yeah, in fact, I need teams? to learn some more of the math of this formula because I was thinking the other day, you know, what's the difference between losing and still playing uh, uh, a really strong uh, right, schedule? Right, Unless they're weighted. They've got to be weighted somehow. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it, it, that, this, the uh, formula is what it is, and as long as you know what the formula is, you know, it's fair for everybody. And so what's the one or
0: two big matchups that are coming up this weekend that people can go to Florida'sDay.com and
1: 321preps.com to – Check out, Brian. Well, there's some district games that are going to be important this week, and that's the thing. The uh, at-large bids come from the PowerPoints in the higher classes where they still have districts. So if you win your district, you're in the playoffs automatically and you get a home game because they see those teams top four before they do anything with the points. Gotcha. So Rockledge essentially clinched its district last week, but will host Palm Bay and can go perfect in the district. But some games to watch are Heritage is at home against Auburndale. That's going to be a big deal for the – the the Panthers to try to improve their situation and then uh, Merritt Island's on the road at Port Orange Atlantic that's a district game outside the area Bayside is at Gateway that's outside the area but these are all important games and uh, Viera at St. Cloud is a particularly big one the the Hawks um, are unbeaten in the district and St. Cloud played Melbourne well and has had a good season so that's just down the road at a St. Cloud, if you want to keep up with the Hawks, you know, all that will be at 321preps.com. These are district games that we're getting down to it. You know, this is week nine because we started so early. So check out all Preps news,
0: all Preps scores and features news at 321preps.com, floridatoday.com. Brian does a great job with that. I also just want to chat real quick, my podcast, the Murder on the Space Coast podcast, has restarted this week with a um, five-episode update on the Brandy Hall case. And we're doing this one kind of in real time, Brian. There's um, a dig happening uh, as we speak right now. There are things underfoot that I will be updating as we go. So I'm really excited about that. But I'm, I'm so excited that The Walking Dead is back on TV. Although I've only watched one of the two new episodes so far, and I have to say, I think I like
1: Fear the Walking Dead a little bit more. Actually, a lot more. Yeah, John, I just got into, I found a place to watch Fear the Walking Dead. You know, they've they've made it very hard to find the old episodes of Fear the Walking Dead without paying some money somewhere. Right. But uh, theoretically, I may have a source for getting some of those. And I just finished season two and have watched the first couple of episodes of season three. And I kind of could, couldn't put it down, you know, so to speak, yesterday. Yes. The story's really good. Uh, it's not too ridiculous yet. And they're not not—they're still kind of weaving in and out of what they said they were going to do but didn't really do, which is to show us the beginning of all this breakdown of society. They kind of went too fast through the first part of it. I agree with that. But now they're showing some things that you never really got to see on The Walking Dead, like this group of rogue soldiers who are killing people kind of for fun at a, at a military base. And uh, now I've just gotten to the point where they've gone to this... Compound out in the middle of nowhere in California, which probably would have been somewhere in Utah or North Dakota, but it's in California for whatever reason. And I I think that's going to be interesting. These are all things that we should have seen more gradually, but they kind of come back to it. Right. And, uh, well, you know, know,
0: what I love about Fear the Walking Dead is that these stories are more, you know, character driven. And so you get to really learn about the characters a lot more than on The Walking Dead where it's sort of you know there there are 80 characters out that they have to show every episode but the thing Brian that irks me is that people used to cover themselves in in blood and zombie guts right. on both shows early on and walk among the dead and now that has stopped and they're afraid the other thing that really kills me and you're going to see this with the, with the with that compound on Fear the Walking Dead
1: Oh, don't spoil know? No,
0: me. I'm not spoiling it, but if you're living someplace for a long time, and you will see that they have been, why are they not digging big trenches outside every day, or driving you know cars and just reinforcing the compound? Reinforce everywhere you are. It doesn't matter if you're in a castle.
1: <laughs> I know you're about if, to spoil it for
0: if me. If you're in a <laughs> castle with a moat,
1: build a deeper moat. I mean, come on, people. Oh, my goodness. But I do the same thing, John. Yeah. I know I do, and it... And it ticks you off but um I'm, I'm and by excited. the way that was not a spoiler it's just when i see the um, honestly
0: it's not but when i see the fences there and people walking around the compound why aren't they outside working
1: well it's just like in the walking dead when they were living on that place where they were growing the vegetables yes and they had people outside the fence and they were worried that someday they might push the fence over which they did right why not have i mean it would be 10-year-old child could do this. Just take a stick and poke them all in the head, one at a time. One at a time. You could do it they for don't an reproduce. hour. Zombies they are t- not having sex. They're not reproducing. Hour, t- do it for an hour and take a six-hour nap. They're right. not coming through the fence at this point, so just start killing them. But I'm going to tell you what, John. This is this is one thing I've noticed. You know one thing that's better on Fear of the Walking Dead What's than that? in the later seasons of The Walking Dead? Not so much the early ones. The acting. Yeah. They've gotten so cheesy on The Walking Rick is always talking like this. I know. And Daryl's always talking like this. I know. Even, you know, Even Michelle Michelle's talking like this. So, uh, yeah, I just, I like the characters and I like the characters the way they used to be on The Walking Dead better, yeah. but, but it's not like that. Anymore.
0: Right. Anyway, that's all we have this week, folks. Please join us again next week. If you like the show, please just give us a five-star rating and, and keep listening and also tell your friends. Three to one overtime. That's, that's easy it. to
1: remember. See you next time.